Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Anybody ever broken a bone before? Raise your hand if you've broken a bone. I want to preach this morning, shut up in my bones. And so if you've broken a bone, then maybe the Lord will talk to you today. If, if you haven't, you're just not going to under... Has anybody not broken a bone? Raise your hand. We, wow. Praise God. Wow. What are you doing? Sitting at home just on the couch like frozen? How do you not break a bone? Well, in, in the ninth grade, I was playing basketball with a friend named Adam Carpenter, and we were playing out behind a, a, a playground by a middle school, Prairie College, I think is what it was called, in uh, the Faircrest area of Canton. And I don't know why he chose to do it, but, you know, you, you passed the ball, and it was just him and I. It was just, there was nobody else on the playground. It was just him and I playing basketball. And for whatever reason, he threw the ball a little extra hard at me, a basketball. Boom, like that. And I went to catch it, and it caught my thumb right there, just pop, and uh, broke, broke my thumb. It was a bummer, and it ruined my baseball career. I had a thriving baseball career and was actually <laughs> scouted. Yeah, I was scouted by somebody, but anyway, it's, it, I, I had to finish my, I, I couldn't finish playing baseball that year, and, uh, but it, it all worked out. Me and my brother would still play wiffle ball in the backyard, and I learned how to play, throw left-handed by, by uh, getting my thumb broke, so it worked out. But bones are, are kind of important. They're, they're pretty important to our life, and if you've broken a bone, you know that that's the truth. And they have some pretty important functions in our life, the structural element of our body. Um, it's hard to imagine uh, a body without bones, what we would just be on the ground. Isn't that powerful to understand that? Um, and it really does protect the organs in our body, the, the rib cage, and those I hear that breaking a rib is pretty painful. But, and it allows us movement. We can move our, our body because of the bones that are in our body. And bones are not just important physically, but they're great symbolic. They have great symbolic meaning as well. We sang a song today uh, about bones because there's, there's something about the, the imagery of bones, the idea of the bones and their symbolic meaning. Recently on a trip with, as I've mentioned, Alex and Jacob, we went to the country of Palau and I was able to, I was asked to visit another island while I was there with a missionary, and it was a tiny island 
called Peleliu. Some of you may have heard of Peleliu because it was the site of a horrendous battle in World War II. Today, there's only about 500 people that live on Peleliu, and the reason we went was they were wanting to start a church on this island, and a few people were wanting to be baptized, and it was a great, great deal. But this battle of Peleliu, you can look it up later, uh, resulted in the, the highest casualty rate of any amphibious assault in American military history. Of the approximately 28,000 Marines and infantry troops involved, a full 40% of the Marines and soldiers that fought for the island died or were wounded. A total of 9,800 men, 1,800 killed in action, 8,000 wounded on a tiny island. Over 10,000 Japanese soldiers died on this island. And so as we were looking around, we, we got to visit a few, and there's still tanks sitting on the road. There's still guns. There's still a lot of the, the stuff that was from the war there just sitting on, on the island. As we're going around the island, there was not that many roads, just a couple roads. Our, our tour guide pointed out a man sitting in front of the house. And I had noticed him when we passed, and I didn't think much of it. He's sitting on the front, uh, at the front of his house, and he had a bucket in his hand, and it looked like he was just scrubbing some things and working and, you know, just washing something. And so as we drove back by, the tour guide told us that he was a Japanese man and that he had come to recover the remains of the soldiers, and that out of a sign, as a sign of respect, he was cleaning the bones of the fallen soldiers. I find the Bible says some interesting things about bones. As the patriarch Joseph, who had the coat of many colors, the son of Jacob, as he was dying, he said in Genesis chapter 50, Joseph said to the brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. He didn't want his bones to remain in Egypt. He knew that God was preparing a place for them a place that had been promised to Abraham. And he said, I don't want to stay here. I want my bones to go with you. And so Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. It would be 400 years later. Joseph dies, and it's amazing that that request that he made that his bones would not remain in Egypt, would be on the collective mind of the children of Israel. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, it says, It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. In other words, God didn't give them the shortest route that was possible. He said, lest perhaps the people change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt, and we know they wanted to. 
So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. And so they took their journey and began to go their way. It's amazing to me that Moses would remember, after all those years, he would remember that covenant he made to take those bones with him. I, I would guess that taking them with them was not very convenient. It was not something that would have necessarily been the easiest thing to do. They're trying to escape Egypt, but Joseph had petitioned them, and they had made an oath that they would carry his bones. Before they left Egypt, God would give them a plan of Passover. And in Passover, they would celebrate God's work that he had done to deliver them out of their, under the hand of the oppressor. That God had brought plagues against the Egyptians. You've probably heard that story. They, he brought plagues to the Egyptians, but now he's going to deliver them and bring them out of Egypt as we read that Joseph asked and Moses decided to bring Joseph out of Egypt. Here's the moment now they're going to bring, come out of Egypt. But God said that I, I want you to gather in your homes before you make your escape. I want you to gather in your homes and I want you to slay a lamb. And I want you to put the blood around the doorpost and I want you to make sure that you do everything that I command you because it's going to be this signal, this blood around the doorpost that's going to signal to the angel to pass over, to go over and not bring death to you and your family. And so God gives them this plan, this Passover plan, and he gives them these very specific instructions on how to prepare the land. And I want to just take notice again as we're just looking at some passages that deal with bones Exodus chapter 12, verse 46, it tells us in, that God said, In one house it shall be eaten. You're to eat your lamb in your house. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside of the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. None of the bones of the Passover lamb were to be broken. And so what we understand as we as Christians, we move this story to the ultimate story, the story of Jesus on the cross. And it's Jesus on the cross that we realize the tie to this lamb whose bones were never to be broken. In John chapter 19, verse 31, it says, Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, it was a holy day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. There were three criminals hanging on the cross. There were the two criminals and then Jesus, who was considered a criminal. And they were going to break the bones so that they could hasten the day. They did not want, the Jews did not want them hanging there as they entered into this holy time. And so the soldiers came and they broke 
the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. And when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who had seen this has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. It's a prophecy that you can find in Psalm chapter 34, verse 20. It says, he guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. And it harkens back to this Passover idea that the lamb, Jesus Christ, was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And he would fulfill every prophecy. Every word that was spoken would be fulfilled in Jesus Christ down to the detail that not one bone would be broken. Think about how horrific the cross was. Think about the beating and the scourging and everything he went through. But there he hangs on the cross and not one bone was broken. One Jewish scholar said that the bones of the lamb were not to be broken because it would have delayed them. If they had tried to work and do all of that, it would uh, have delayed them being able to quickly move out of Egypt. And, and I don't know what the exact reasoning was. To be honest, I, I've tried to figure out what the reason was. But I, I think that's interesting that they would say that it was so that they could expedite what was hap- happening. Interestingly is the fact that Jesus, uh, the reason they were going to break Jesus' bones was so they could hasten the day. I'm not sure why the reason was entirely, but here's what I, I believe, that God was adamant that not one bone would be broken. And I personally believe that these bones represent the word of God. For these things, the scripture should be fulfilled, John wrote, for these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled, not one of his bones shall be broken. In my opinion, it is a statement that says not one of God's promises will be broken, not one of them, not a small one, not a large one, not one promise of God would be broken, and in Isaiah chapter 55, 11, it says about the word of God that his word will go out of his mouth. It shall not return void, but it will accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. I want to remind us today, and if you're joining us today and you haven't been here for a little bit, let me remind us today that there is nothing more powerful than the word of of God. His word will not fall to the ground. His word will not fall to the ground, but it will accomplish everything that was sent to accomplish.
God's word is trustworthy. God's word is faithful. God's word is reliable. People may be unreliable and people may be unfaithful. And the things people say might not be trustworthy. But can I tell you today that God does not break his promises. God will not break his promises. And that's a promise for you and I. That he says that if he can show us mercy, he'll show us mercy. That's a promise that you can count on. You can go to the bank with it. That if he said that he'll forgive your sins, he'll forgive your sins. Oh, hallelujah. His promises are true. So what do bones tell us? What do bones tell us? I read an article recently that was talking about the ability of scientists to be able to know things about a person by their bones. The article asserted that isotopes or chemical compounds are absorbed in our body and in, in particular when we're born or those teeth are created, they actually are, are, are able to look at the bones and determine where an individual lived during their childhood by a certain type of chemical compound in the bones. And bones can then, they, as we live our lives, they gather information. The, the scientists said that you can compare the, the bones and you can look at the bones and you can determine not only where somebody maybe was born, but also where they lived after they were born and what they would have been eating during that time. That's a crazy thought to me, the idea of this, that they would somehow be able to tell some of these facts by the bones. I guess the saying true, you are what you eat. My question, my thought was then, what are my bones saying? What are your bones saying? Not literally. But spiritually, what are your bones saying? You see, we read about a prophet in the Old Testament who is not only a prophet, he's a priest. And he's a young man when he begins to serve. And he serves uh, for, for a good period of time, decades. He serves the, the people of God. And the scripture tells us in Jeremiah 1.1 that the, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priest who were in Anthoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came, and it lists all the kings that the word of the Lord came through the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me. Joshua, through his lifetime, or Jeremiah, through his lifetime, would have the word of God come to him over and over again. Over and over again, God would use his word to try to help the children of Israel. And I, I would just say more than ever in this world that we live in, we need the word of God. We need the word of God to come to us. We need the word of God to be a part of 
our life. I think this culture more than ever, the word of God is true. And Hebrews chapter four tells us the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is needed today more than ever before. We would later come to this prophet Jeremiah and we would come to read how the people of God, they would hear the word of God. They would listen to what he would have to say, but they would reject what he was saying. So much so that they got fed up with him and they decided, you know what, we're going to punish him. We're going to make an example of him. So they literally grabbed him and put him in stocks. It literally means he was in a twisted position. He was put into stocks and in physical pain. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 2, it says that they put him in stocks in a high gate. And no doubt as Jeremiah was in those stocks in a twisted position, he was exhausted. In fact, he was depressed. He had spoken the word of God over and over and over again, but they remained rebellious. They remained distant to what he was saying. Saying. No one was listening. No one was responding. In fact, uh, they were not just not responding, but they were mocking him. They were beating him. They were incarcerating him. He doesn't exactly have a resume, resume of success. He's preached for 30 years, and he doesn't seem to have a single convert. That's not a good day for a preacher. But I get it. I get you can say a lot of things. And it doesn't always make a difference the way you want it to make a difference. But he had no converts. He has prophesied things, he has said things, and he's struggling, he's wrestling. Can I tell you, he's not getting invitations to preach. He's not being invited to camp meetings. He's not being invited to conferences. He's the last on the list. And listen to what he says. He says in Jeremiah 20, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. He had literally almost given up. Why should I keep prophesying? But he said, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I don't feel like saying it anymore. I don't feel like trying to, to hear the word of God anymore. I'd rather distance myself from it. But there was something in my bones. There was something that I couldn't get away from. And it was the word of God shut up in my bones. And I tried to get away from it, but I couldn't. It was shut up in my bones. 
He said, for I heard many mockings, uh, fear on every side. Report, they said, and we will report it. Show us uh, and we'll show it. Uh, All my acquaintances watched for my stumbling, saying perhaps uh, he can be induced. Perhaps uh, he can be bought out. Uh, Then we will prevail against him and we will take our revenge on him. But he said, uh, even though they were speaking against me, even though they were speaking words that were defeating to me and discouraging to me. He said, but the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. I've been around this a long time, he says. I've been doing this for a long time and I ought to be discouraged. But I understand something that for all these years the word of God was being poured into me. All these years the word of God was laying on top of my bones and bone after bone it was growing in my body until finally when I thought I had given everything up, uh, I realized that I couldn't get away from the word of God. Uh, It was like fire shut up uh, in my bones. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was fire shut up in my bones. Can I tell you today that God's word, God's word is in this room today. God's power is in this room today. And you may be struggling and you may be facing opposition, but I'm telling you, the word of God can bring strength to you. The word of God can bring hope to you. The word of God can bring health to you. Jesus would say, or, or Jesus would quote this, and I'll read the Old Testament version. When God gives this command about his word, his commandments to this, or the children of Israel, he said, every commandment in Deuteronomy 8, 1, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. Why should I be careful to observe the word of God? That you may live, that you may multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. He's saying this is why the word of the Lord is powerful. It will tell you how to live. It'll tell you how to multiply, how to go, how to possess what God has for you. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did, you, uh, did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. But man lives by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God or from the mouth of God. What do your bones say about you? What do your bones speak about you? Do they demonstrate that the word of God is alive in your life? Can I tell you why it's important? When Jesus was tempted by Satan, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We understand today that if we're going to survive, we've got to eat. If our bones are going to grow, 
We've got to eat. But can I tell you, Jesus said, more importantly, your spiritual life. If you're going to have any spiritual existence, you've got to have the infusion of the Word of God in your life every day. For every meal that you eat, that should be a moment for you to consider the Word of God. Every morsel of food you put in your body should be how much you should read the Word of God and study the Word of God. It's that important. His word, his word, he says, his word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against him. And Jeremiah, the prophet, shows us that no matter how dark it gets, God's word can sustain us. No matter the temptation, God's word can keep you. No matter the pain in your life, God's word can hold you up. Because as I allow the word of God to be infused into my life, I realize at some point in my life I'm going to have to have the word of God in me like fire shut up in my bones. Word of God is not meant to be a crutch that we used to when we just run into difficult seasons. But it's meant to be intertwined in the fabric of our being. It's not meant to be something that we only turn to when we're in trouble. But it's meant to be something that we allow to be infused in our life, to be put in our life every day. Why? So when we get in trouble, when we get into difficult times and dark days and temptations and struggle, the word of God is present in our bones. So, look at And I considered the power of God's word. When you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, you consider God's word. You realize that Moses went to Mount Sinai and God gave him the law, gave him the commandments. And it was a powerful moment. And we realize in the New Testament, the tie to that moment, the tie to that moment with Moses is the day of Pentecost, when they celebrated the giving of the law. And when they celebrated it, the scripture says that God appeared to them. On the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, the scripture says they were with all in one mind and one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And to the average Jew familiar with Jewish tradition, this miracle would have been a clear indication that just as God gave the law to Moses, just as he gave the word to Moses, he was putting the word not just to them in stone, but in their hearts. And so they spake in other tongues. 
They spake in a language that they did not understand, but allowed for everybody else to understand. It was the word of God. I am reminded today as I close of this proverb, chapter 15, verse 30. It says, a good report makes the bones fat. A good report makes the bones fat. In other words, the good news makes the bones fat. It's this understanding that his word, the word that became flesh, that good news that all of us get to experience allows our bones to be healthy and strong. Our spiritual structure, our spiritual protection, our spiritual movement, right? Those are the reasons we have bones naturally. God's word provides structure in our life. God's word provides guidance in our life. Provides a skeleton so that other things can be built on it. It allows it to be our lives to be built on a solid platform, something that could stay can sustain the weight of the world. Protects our organs, the word of God protects our heart. When we read the word of God, when we absorb the word of God, it protects our heart. As I've mentioned before, it's a popular passage, but it's so true when you think about it. Our heart is deceitful. Our desires have never been the litmus test for what's right with God's plan in our life. How we feel about things has never been that plan. For what God wants for our life. It's always been his word. Because our heart is deceitful. So God's word protects. And ultimately God's word. Allows us to move. It allows us to go. And be who he's called us to be. You and I need the word of God in our life. We can't live without his word. I don't know what you're being sustained by. I don't know what you feel like is your sustenance for life, your ability to process things in this life. But I ask a question today, what's shut up in your bones? What is it that's shut up in your bones? What is in the makeup of your spiritual structure. If it's your desires and your flesh, it's going to crumble. You can guarantee it. But his word is strong. His word can't be broken. When they test your bones, what will they say you've eaten? What will they say was your story? Was it a life lived in obedience to the word of God? Was it a life sustained by the word of God? Was it a life surrendered to the word of God? What is shut up in your bones?
Stand with me this morning, if you will, if you're able. When Ezekiel prophesied, Ezekiel prophesied about bones too. This prophet saw a valley full of what? Dry bones. And the only way the dry bones could be who they're supposed to be was one thing. How would they come together? One thing, the word of the Lord. So Ezekiel prophesied, or God told Ezekiel to prophesy in chapter 37, verse 4 of Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Word of the Lord, the powerful force in our life. You've never repented of your sins. You've never been water baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. If you've never received his spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues, Today, you can obey the word of the Lord. And God can speak to dry bones. He can speak to bones that maybe don't feel so good. And he can bring strength to your spiritual man. And for those maybe who are here today, and you're in a difficult place, you're in a place of struggle, I think you need to get as much help as you can. That's fine. Do it. But I would recommend starting with the word of the Lord for your help. I would recommend beginning by reading his word. If you don't know where to read, talk to somebody on the pastoral team. Talk to somebody who you feel is a a spiritually strong person. Because we can say a lot of things. We can say a lot of things and encourage a lot of people in a lot of different ways. But I realize today... That the only thing that really brings strength in our lives ultimately is the word of the Lord. And that's why we're teaching on Wednesday night about the gifts of the spirit. Because we need the word of God to be active among us. We need the word of God to be alive and well among us. Because it's the word of God that's going to bring strength. It's going to bring healing and hope to people. Before I invite you to come, I want to make one statement here, and this is a challenge to all of us. We have 21 days until Friends Day. I am believing for 500 to be here for that service. Now, I'm asking you, of course, we remain a a church of prayer. But today I felt challenged. I I felt challenged to invite you to 21 days of reading your Bible every day as we lead up to Friends Day. Because how are we going to know what to say? How are we going to know how to help people? How are we going to know how to help our friends who are struggling? 
It's going to be because we know the word of God. And so I'm inviting you to read the book of Acts with me for 21 days. I believe there are 28 chapters and some of you have it memorized. Some of you quizzers quote it. But every day, I want us to read the word of God because it's the word of God that's going to make a difference in this world. And so today, if you're desperate for God's word, we're going to pray for you. You need something in your life. You need a healing in your body. The Bible says he sent his word and what? Healed them. We're going to pray for those who need healing in their body, those who need a touch in their life in just a moment. But I want to pray for you that you would surrender to the word of God. You would surrender to the word of God that you could say like Jeremiah, his word was shut up in my bones. It was like fire shut up in my bones. Lord, I pray today. God, as we consider so many things in this life and so many things that we should be doing and could be doing, God, I'm praying that you would help us to have confidence again in your word. It's a a simple discipline, Lord. It's a simple thing. It's a simple thing that we know we're supposed to do as Christians, but Lord, sometimes we neglect even the basic things. And Lord, today I'm praying that you would give us a fresh just confidence in your word. That just as no bone was broken on the cross, that not one promise you would give us would be broken. That the enemy would love to tempt us. The enemy would love, God, to cause us to lose our direction and and go in a different direction, Lord. But I'm praying today that your word would be alive and well. I pray, oh God, for those who are weak in the faith, maybe those who are struggling. I pray you would wrap them in your word. You would strengthen them in your word. Oh God, let your word come alive in us, Lord, today. I pray in Jesus' name. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.